Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, examining the Word of God, especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, seeing how they served the Lord, taking a deeper look into the Word, look into how they did things, finding the church the Lord intended, not the one man created. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence of the early church. We believe the church age is not over, and what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, and you want more, you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, one word, lowercase, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, and we appreciate your support, each and every one of you that do so, there are ways to do so on the, the main page. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen and pay attention for notices or reminders. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, stay connected. Reach out. Let us know how you're doing. If the Lord is blessing you through these Bible studies, let us know. If you have a question about a Bible study, let us know. This series that we're in right now is because somebody wrote me. Thank you for all your prayers. Continue to pray for me and my family, for fellow SRT members and their families. Right now there's a lot going on, a lot going on in the world to all of us, and that's why we need prayer. And that's why if you need prayer, let us know. We want to pray for you. We care about you. So, Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We thank you that you loved us when we were unlovable. We thank you for being our Abba Father, our Papa God, our Daddy. We are desperate for you. We are desperate for relationship with you to have what Adam had where you walked in the cool of the evening with him. And we know that day will come. But right now we want your presence in our life. So many of us are from broken homes, bad parents, and we need the love of the Father. That's why we need the Lord. We need you, Lord. We thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you for the blood paying our debts. We thank you for everything you've given us from homes and families and and furry kids and technology and all this that allows us to come together every week to worship you and glorify you. And we look forward to the time through the provision coming that we'll be able to get together in various places at various times for the porch to go on the road, for SRT to do what it's called to do, for the documentaries to get made, expose the enemy, inspire the remnant. All these things come from you, Lord. You are our provider. We thank you for your love, your undying, unmerited grace and favor, and all that you've done for us, especially sending back the Holy Spirit who walks with us, encourages us, teaches us, reminds us. I don't 
know what I would do without that everyday presence, without every moment presence, being connected to you in the throne room, being able to speak to you and hear you and feel your presence in my life. I pray that all of my brothers and sisters would experience that. So we ask you, as we clear our minds and take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, claiming the mind of Messiah, casting down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Father. We, we give you control, Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do this night in us and with us. Let this word go forth. Let it change us and let us do something with it. Let us go out and bear fruit. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Just as a reminder, I know many of you listen to this recorded and archived because you're getting it from various places, but if you want to hear this live as it's happening, the only place to do that is Spreaker.com. And um, all the other uh, archive shows will turn up on the other ones either immediately afterwards or some it takes another day. But I just want felt led to share that. Get your Bibles open. Go with me to John 15. This is the Amplified Version, starting verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken-off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you live in me, abide vitally, connect, united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. When you bear or produce much fruit, My Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. Continue in his love with me. 
If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in his love. I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love, no one has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. You are my friends, if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. Very powerful 14 scriptures there. Those burned-off branches refer to professing believers who, like Judas, were not genuinely saved and therefore are judged. Like a dead branch, a person without Messiah is spiritually dead and therefore will suffer eternal fire. I know that's not a topic many people like to talk about, but those are the facts. Judas was with Yeshua. He was with them every every day. He walked with them, and he seemed like a branch. But he did not have the Father in him. And his destiny was that of a dead branch. Well, I don't want that for you, and this is why we're doing this, to bear fruit, because the world needs you. Your, your family needs you. Your friends need you. They need you to be fruit-bearing. They need you to have Yeshua in you. The hope of glory. So we're based on Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Last week we talked about love. The Greek word agape, spontaneous, divine love, a strong, ardent, tender, compassionate devotion to the well-being of someone. If you've not heard that, make sure you listen to it because all of these build upon one another. Love is outgoing. It's self-giving. It's not necessarily emotion. It is the character of God himself because we know he so loved the world that he gave his only son. And love is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's not directed towards the world or the things of the world because we know that those things are passing away, and we know that those things are of the fallen. Those things are of ha-satan. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What that means is if you love the things of the world, then you can't love him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. You can't love them both. You can't love those things and love him. It's like mammon. You will hate one and love the other. The Holman Bible commentary says, it is necessary to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and thus be guided by the Spirit in our attitudes, decisions, and actions. To fail to follow the lead of the Spirit as a believer in Yeshua is to manifest a sinful lifestyle that is unworthy of the kingdom of God. On the other hand, 
The believer who is controlled by the Spirit shows forth qualities that reflect supernatural godliness beyond the requirements of the law. Such a life of Spirit-prompted love doesn't go on automatically. It has to be worked at. It has to be nurtured. And even though our flesh has been crucified with Messiah, we still have the tendency towards fleshly things, even to sin. It still exists. We're always fighting with it. We're always fighting the old nature. But mature believers must, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Ruach HaKadosh, restore our brothers and sisters who wander away. We shouldn't cut them off. That's not our job. That's the Lord's. We should want to restore them in love. We should want to support one another in their cares and responsibilities. We don't want people to fall under the load of whatever they're carrying without our help. They won't fall if we help them. The life of this divine love even supports, even includes, and this is a topic, I wasn't going to read this, but the Lord wants me to. This kind of love even includes the support of true biblical teachers. Sowing into good ground. Instead of producing corrupt fruit and helping corrupt fruit to grow, let's grow some good fruit. So there are three clusters of three. It's the way I described it last week. And even though each one is an individual manifestation of the Spirit, by the way it's written, Paul shows them as three clusters of three. And the first one was love, joy, and peace. And I was going to teach. We we took all of last week to talk about love. Tonight I was going to cover joy and peace. So this wasn't a nine-week teaching. That's not what I do. Sometimes it happens, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but tonight we're only going to talk about joy. That's all the Lord wants to talk about because it's internal. It's supernatural. You can't create it or make it happen on your own. Joy is produced by the Spirit, and it's not dependent on our circumstances. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's a byproduct of the kingdom of God. And the other thing we'll see in a lot of these scriptures is how peace and joy, joy and peace, they go together. They come up a lot. They're, they're a tandem. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pay attention to patterns. I look for inverse reasoning. I, I, I look at something inverted and I find the point. And I'm not telling you to be that analytical, but what I'm saying is that everything from Genesis to Revelation, from the first word to the last word, the alpha to the omega, is all tied together. and It's an amazing tapestry. Now, when I sit down with the topic given to me by the Lord, 
and it began to bring all the, the, the things together and sew it together, there's always scripture that pertains to what we're talking about that allows me to tie it all together. I won't do anything except by the word of God. I may offer you my opinion at times. I may offer you insight, but it'll always be based upon the word. The problem in the body right now, as I see it, and I was speaking about this with Joe Citrone earlier this morning, a lot of people have some amazing ideas. They think outside the box, and they think outside the book. And if it's not in the book, and if it's not based upon the light, if it's not based upon the Lord, if it's not based upon getting people saved, healed, and delivered, I want nothing to do with it. And many of the teachers out there get caught up in darkness and demons and all. Yeah, I get it. There are demons out there. We have lakes here in Florida. And there are alligators in those lakes. And I need to be conscious of that as I walk near the, the water, especially if I have, you know, one of the dogs with me, which I would not do because I know that alligators like to feast on dogs. But if I only look at the the lake looking for gators, I miss the beauty of everything else. I'm not to be ignorant of the dangers of this world. But the one thing I will always focus on is that light dispels darkness. Darkness in and of itself has no power. And that's why we as believers must bear fruit to further the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 6, starting with verse 4. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulation, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit. By sincere love, we're acing multiples, fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering love. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor and yet making many rich as having nothing, yet possessing all things. I've said this before, and it sounds hokey. Very, It sounds like a cliche, but we're in this together. And that's what the porch has always been about. It's always been about the concept of the Book of Acts Church, of unity, of us coming together as one. Now, of course, we're doing this online, so coming together as one is very rare. When we had the home church, it made more sense. But until we can do that, and I'm, the way things are going in this world, I'm not sure how much longer many of the bigger entities are going to be able to do that. And it would be the best thing that could happen to them. Get knocked out of those giant monstrosities into storefronts and people's homes. Second Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, there it is again, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. 
For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. If we don't support one another, if you come to me and say, you have a need, and I have the ability to fill that need, and I don't help you with that, then the love of God's not in me. So I will do the best that I can within mine and the porch's firefall's ability. A Bible, whatever, big or small, whatever we can do. The more we have, the more we can do. But that's why this fruit is so necessary. Because it's not just for us, it's for one another. Love and prayer and all the things that go into being a family. Having come from a broken family, I understand the necessity of that. But this aspect of joy in a world that's gone crazy, that's sliding uh, like a train down the tracks with no brakes... Is necessary. It's going to keep us going. The joy of the Lord truly is our strength. First Thessalonians one six, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Throughout this day as I as I worked and prayed and read and added notes and found various things to add as I chipped chipped away at the the creation sometimes I just pages upon pages of stuff and then I have to with the work of the Lord and the guidance of the spirit bring it down I began to feel this urgency inside of me to get this message out there to people that are having their ears tickled that are suddenly feeling pressed and crushed by the afflictions and the things going on in this world, and they've lost their joy. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, Joy is a state of delight and well-being that results from knowing and serving God. A number of Greek and Hebrew words are used to convey the ideas of joy and rejoicing. We have the same situation in English, which such nearly synonymous words as joy, happiness, pleasure, delight, Gladness, merriment, and enjoyment. The words joy and rejoice are the words used most often to translate the Hebrew and Greek words into English. Joy is found over 150 times alone in the Bible, but if we use joyous and joyful and and the verb rejoice altogether, it's well over 200 times. Because joy is the fruit of right relationship with God. You cannot have this joy without relationship with him. It makes no sense. My hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, not in a world, not in a fallen world system, not in any man, woman, or or entity in this fallen world system. It's in him alone. And it's not something, this joy is not something we can create on our own efforts. 
And it's interesting that the Bible distinguishes joy from pleasure. The Greek word for pleasure is the word from which we get hedonism, self-centered pleasure-seeking. Now, there are some people that say that God is a killjoy. He doesn't want us to have joy. And nothing could be a bigger lie. God himself is joy. He knows joy. And he wants his people to know joy. Because joy is divine. It's a divine aspect. As well as a human emotion. Let me share a story I read. A gentleman residing in the fashionable part of London and thoroughly carried away with the follies of society life was walking down the street one day with a Christian woman of his acquaintance. He turned to her and asked, how is it that you religious people are always trying to rob us of our pleasure? I enjoy life and I can't see why you should be forever trying to rob me of what pleasure this short life affords. You are greatly mistaken if that's what you think, replied the woman. We don't want you to give up anything but to receive. The gentleman kept thinking about the word receive. It refused to leave him. Not long after, he called on the woman and confessed to her that his life was miserable and asked what he must do to receive peace of soul and joy of heart. So she led him to the Savior, where he found pardon and joy that he had never known before. Just share with people what the Lord's doing with you. Looking at somebody under stress or hurting, would you mind if I prayed with you or I prayed for you? Can I pray for you? I've never had anybody say no. I'm sure it happens. But I've never, at the moment, I've been led by the Spirit to do that. Everybody wants somebody to pray for them. They want peace. They want joy. You don't have to thump them over the head with a Bible or hit them with nonstop scripture. No, no. They just want your love. They want your attention. They want to know that you care. And they want to know why you are so happy. Psalm 104, verse 31, May the glory of the Lord endure forever, and may the Lord rejoice in his works. Isaiah 65, 18, But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I like this one, Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will quiet, be quiet in his love, making no mention of your past sins. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. When he looks at you, he loves you. He sees that you're his. He sees that you belong to his son. I didn't have that from my earthly father. But I have it from my heavenly father. 
I know he looks at me and smiles. And he knows how much I love him. The Lord your God is with you in your midst, the mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you, take delight in you, and you will rest. You will be, he will quiet you and he won't rebuke you, rebuke you in his love. He will sing and be joyful about you. When was the last time you felt joyful, that somebody felt joyful about you? Especially a father, a parent. That's what this is all about. Oh, we can talk about sin and we can talk about eternal damnation and a lake of fire. But that's the end result of none of this happening. That's the end result of us not doing our jobs. Of of telling them the good news that Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah came and died for them so they don't have to swim in the lake of fire. They can walk with him in eternity, walk with him in paradise. The most famous biblical reference to God's joy is in Luke 15. The Pharisees and the scribes, the Sadducees, criticized Yeshua for receiving sinners and eating with them. Oh my gosh, how horrible that was. So what he did was he told, Yeshua told three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And the very explicit theme of each parable is the joy over one sinner who repents. Someday I will find out about that moment on October 9th of 1988 when everything the enemy had tried to do to me and had done to me and was a sure fast track to hell came undone. The joy, the shouting, the cheering. Habakkuk 3.18 Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Psalm 16 and 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we come together, when we whether we fellowship uh, online or on a phone or whatever, when we come together as one, he inhabits the praise of his people. And as we begin to praise him, as we begin to speak praise and worship in his name he inhabits that praise and i believe and i have felt that happen when you when you're with a group of people two or three or four hundred i don't know when you come together as one and you get that unified praise and you get that unified worship all of a sudden the air stops and the room changes and you feel the the presence of the lord i believe that creates a wormhole from us to the throne room and pulls the two together At those moments, I've had amazing things happen where I felt like was either 20 feet tall or went to lean on a wall and felt like I was falling through because, I, it, it, as Pastor Shelley said at that moment, part of me was in the spirit. Joy, happiness, pleasure, delight. 
That's our life. That's what we show others. That's what we give others. And the the interesting thing is that, as I said already, the Bible makes it real clear. Biblical joy is distinct from pleasure, distinct from self-seeking, self-centered pleasure-seeking. That's why Paul referred to false teachers as lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God in 2 Timothy 3.4. False teaching is meant to take you away from him and turn you toward yourself. Think about that one for a while. If you hear a teaching getting you to focus on you, listen clearly because what you're going to hear is not going to line up with the word. Our delight, our joy, our well-being results from knowing and serving our Father, from being, as I say, in the family business. That's why I long for the blessing. That's why I long to be turned loose to do all the things that I've been called to do, to be about my Father's business. But the main words we we see in the word joy, there is a the Hebrew word is simcha, which joy, mirth, gladness. And in the Greek it's kara, C H A R A, joy or gladness, Cairo, which is to rejoice or be glad. It's a state of being more than it's a, an emotion. It's a result of a choice. I choose to be joyful in the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, joy was related to victory over one's enemies, and I guess that makes sense because of the life they lived. First Samuel eighteen six, David returned from killing the Philistine, um, and he was met with joy in dancing. I get it. You'd be joyful in a situation like that. But the New Testament joy is still used for victory. But it's the victory over death and hell. It's the victory over the evil spirits. It's the victory over the things of this world and the kingdom of darkness. We see that in Luke ten seventeen through 20 and the 70 who had been sent out by the Lord returned saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They returned with joy. The demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Hasatan, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life when you stand before him and they open the books and instead of the book of the law where you get judged, if you fail in one, you fail in them all, the Lord goes, nope, I got this one in my book. His name's right here, her name's right here, Lamb's Book of Life. Debt's fully paid. They're good, good to go. Our victory, our joy is in our salvation. Luke fifteen four through 7, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, 
if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. That shepherd runs out there looking for this lost sheep and gets it and throws it up around his neck on his shoulders, holding the front legs in one hand and the back legs in the other, and with joy in his heart and on his lips, he brings it home. Knowing that, knowing that he felt that way about you, how can you not tell somebody about what he did for you? We heard this scripture in John fifteen eleven. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. So where do we get the joy? We get it from him. Now we get it through the Holy Spirit. That's the conduit, the throne room to us, that joy. The joy I'm feeling right now. I was lost. Oh boy, was I lost. And then I was found. Everything he did was for joy. Even the cross. Looking away from all that would distract to Yeshua, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. He's also the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our joy in this life and our in our, the life of a believer is in direct proportion to our walk with the Lord. Let me say that again. Your joy is in direct proportion to your walk with the Lord. You, you're missing joy in your life? Then spend more time with Him. Get your walk centered on Him. Oh, I can't sit around and pray all day like you can, Richard, and study the Word. And Well, guess what? If I'm in the car, I'm talking and praying. If I'm outside with the dogs, I'm talking and praying. If I'm sitting by the pool, I'm, I'm praying, talking, praising, worshiping. In everything I do and everywhere I go while I'm working out, when I'm at the gym and my hands are up and people think I'm stretching, I'm praising. Because he is the source of all joy. This is from uh, R.A. Torrey. He says, I presume everybody has shown has known someone whose life was just radiant. Joy beamed out of their eyes. Joy bubbled over their lips. Joy seemed to fairly run from their fingertips. You could not come in contact with them without having a new light 
come into your own life. They were great electric batteries charged with joy. If you look into the lives of such radiantly happy persons, not those people who are sometimes in the valley, but people who are always radiantly happy, you will find that everyone is a man or a woman who spends a great deal of time in prayer alone with the Lord. God is the source of all joy, and if we come in contact with him, his infinite joy comes into our lives. It's got to rub off on us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, I will say rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. You know, folks, when I read out these scriptures to you, beside tying together my teaching, I'm giving you notes that you can go back to your Bible and highlight it. Or, you know what, I need to put that scripture up somewhere. I need to have it on my computer. I need to have it on the front of my phone. This joy is a fruit of a spirit-led life. And unfortunately, sin is also a fruit that will rob a person of their joy. We trip up, we fall, we make mistakes, and it hurts. I used to fall a lot when I was a kid. I used to trip, there go those pair of pants. Used to drive my mother crazy. Brand new pair of pants, send me to school, come home, hole in the knee. Spiritual fallings like that too. We get bruised. And the Lord's got to pick us up and patch us up. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Psalm 51, verses 7, 8, and 12. Paul understood this, Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, we glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. All the struggles, all the pain, all the mess-ups, he's there to help us get through them, to strengthen us. We learned from them. Oh, by the way, it turned out that the reason I fell a lot was because the, my hips were slightly out of uh, alignment. They didn't know that then. It took me many years later to figure that out. Oh, once I did, I stopped falling, and that's what our spiritual life is like. Once we figure out what trips us up, once we figure out why we do what we do, we can fix it. Right now, if you're taking notes, and hopefully you are, I want you to make a note to yourself. I want you to ask yourself a question. What gives me joy? That's the first question. And I don't want you to answer it now because I want you to continue to pay attention. 
Second question is, what steals my joy? If you do it and you follow the assignment, you'll see the reason. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 8, In this you greatly rejoice, that now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus the Messiah, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. But there's joy in the Old Testament too. Nehemiah 8 and 10 8 verse 10, not 8 and 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed Spirit dries up the bones, Proverbs seventeen twelve, Psalm thirteen five. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Joy in the Lord enables us to enjoy all that God has given to us and done for us. See, the enemy doesn't want that. He wants you to focus on the negative. He wants you to focus on the bad. He'll even magnify it to where you'll have a a life or a childhood or, or you'll have memories that never happened because he has tricked you and deceived you into focusing on a shadow and turning it into a an raging dark storm. Psalm thirty two eleven Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you an upright heart. Psalm five eleven but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Over and over, the message is always the same. Be joyful in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Because you cover and shelter them. Let those who love your name be joyful and exult in you. I'm still here, still here, sorry. Long pause, not for drama, because I'm listening, I'm thinking. The joy of the Lord, a fruit of the Spirit. Preeminent message to the book of Acts church, because what they were going through and about to go through, and we need that now, his church, us, the body. We need to be able to supernaturally feel and even manifest this joy for others. 
because the time is coming and now is where it makes no sense to have hope, to have joy, to have the peace, which we'll talk about next week. None of that makes sense. Everything in the natural says everything's going to heck in a handbasket. But my hope is in God. My hope's not in anything in this world. I pay attention to it. It will affect me. It affects us every time we go to the store. But that's not my focus. Colossians 1, this is 9 through 11. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Over and over and over the same message. The prophets, the writers, the apostles, Genesis to Revelation. So many opportunities to, to have no joy, but to be told your joy is in the Lord. Your joy is in Adonai. Your joy is in your heavenly Father. Your joy is in each other. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. If you know that you know that you know, if you know that somebody's praying for you, it gives you a peace. It gives you a joy. You know that you're not alone. You know that the enemy may be ready to attack, but there are those that will stand in the gap for you and with you. There are those that will take the brunt of the attack. There are those that, like the, the sheepdog or the great shepherd, will deal with those wolves, will deal with those predators. Isaiah 61.10, I will... Greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robe a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. One of the things that you can hold on to is the fundamental fact of the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of your heavenly Father, of your Abba. The equity of the divine government of the world gives to the godly, us believers, a joyous sense of security in life, which spontaneously breaks forth in songs of praise that even nature is called upon to join in. Psalm 96, starting verse 11, Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it. Then let all, then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. 
He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Psalm 97, verse 1, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. Psalm 98, verse 4 through 9, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the world and those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the people with equity. The king is coming. The bridegroom is coming. If that doesn't make your heart skip a beat, if that doesn't fill you with joy, something's wrong and we need to talk. Because he's coming for you. He's coming for us. With love, with fairness, with justice. In a world that there is no justice and there is no fairness and it's all it's all a facade. It's all fake. But our joy is in him. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Yesterday, today, and forever being with him. I can't imagine what the disciples felt. First when he died, then when he rose and they were joyful, and then he left, that had to be, it had to hurt. But then they had this excitement. They they had to go do something. They had to go make disciples of all the nations. I mean, here and now, Are you born again? Have you made Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord of your life? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, that he is your Savior? Until I did that, until I knelt at the altar and said those words, everything, every religious thing I had done before them was worthless. That was when I became born again. That was when I discovered what real joy was. Freedom. Lord, your salvation is our joy. Your presence is our joy. Your Holy Spirit in us gives us this joy, produces this fruit, helps us to take this fruit and share it with others so that they can produce fruit. Holy Spirit, touch touch us right now. Anything hindering that joy, anything stealing it, anything that has filled our eyes or touched our lives or been laid upon us or whatever, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the wind of the Spirit, just blow it away. Take it from us. Let us bask in the sunshine, S-O-N shine. Let us feel it. Let us know that we know that we know We're free. We're redeemed. And let that love inspire us to go tell others, to go out into the world, even a world that doesn't want to hear it, and show that love, share that love.
to not be afraid, no fear of rejection. There's no fear of rejection as we come to you because we know how much you love us. Even when we're unlovable. Even when we do things that our earthly parents or even us would condemn ourselves for. You're looking to wipe us off, wash us off, straighten us up, stand us up. No more scuffed knees or torn holes in our pants because you're always there to fix it. You're always there to straighten us up and to hug us. That joy. That's the joy we need right now. That's the joy you need right now. Pray for it. Believe it. Receive it. Say, Lord, fill me with this joy. Fill me with this fruit. Change me from the inside out. Heal me, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And change me so that I can be what you need me to be, what I want to be in this dark and fallen world. In Yeshua's name. Amen. I don't know if you're seeing it yet. I'll close out here in a sec. I don't know if you're seeing yet. I don't know if you're getting the message how important this fruit of the Spirit is and will be in the days ahead because we're going to get into some other ones that are more, um, that are different. They're a different cluster. They're more internal that, that sustain us in different ways. I don't want to get ahead of myself here and start a whole other Bible study. Um, but I'm getting it now. I understand why the Lord wanted me to focus on this. Because you are needed. He's divine. You're the branches. The Holy Spirit through you produces fruit that you will sustain your brothers and sisters, that you will feed others and lead them to the Lord. May the Lord, may Adonai, bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. And I feel a lot of joy right now. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. <laughs>